And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck him up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Do not be crazy, Mr. Zach. I'm Jack Barrett. <laughs> no, I'm Jack Barrett. <laughs> I was going to throw that in there, but I was like, eh, I'll confuse people. <laughs> uh, who cares? We, we confuse people all the damn time. I just so. thought I was Justin Cavender, and then if all of a sudden I'm Jack Barry, <laughs> people are going to think I have some sort of identity problem, and I can't deal with that. <laughs> or they may think you're a clone. Oh, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> oh. That's a thing. Would you make love to your clone? I mean, I think there's an <laughs> obvious answer in here somewhere. <laughs> right, for sure. I mean... Might as well, right? <laughs> I mean, you know where all that stuff's been. It's like right. when you share, I don't know, food that fell on the ground or something like that with your siblings. I don't you know, that. you all have the same germs. My mom was like pretty... Like um, candy and shit. She didn't let us share anything. She did. She was not a fan. <laughs> she wasn't a fan of drinking fountains. She wasn't a fan of sharing sodas. She was like a self-serving, you get... You know your has to, your I, your dinner has to be like individually wrapped. <laughs> she was wow. a In fact, when we would have birthday parties, you wouldn't blow on the cake. You would blow on like a cupcake, like a candle. Like a cupcake would have a candle on it. You blow on that, and you could eat that. That way, you're not spreading your germs all over the entire cake. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she was, she was prepared for for <laughs> danger. <laughs> So I imagine she's pretty prepared right now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything going on. She's good. Little cupcakes for everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blow on that and then eat it. Sick son of a bitch. <laughs> Keep your damn germs to yourself. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, that's, that's awesome. neither here nor there. How you doing? I'm I'm pretty good, man. Uh, Me just, too. <laughs> just ha- hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. How's your hair looking? Oh man, it's long. I uh, we were just talking about this before the podcast because Justin is a fantastic gift giver, and I had a, I recently had a birthday. Some <laughs> <laughs> birthday cake inside. That's pretty it's good. Pretty good. <laughs> and uh, Justin sent me a copy of uh, the best 1980s jet fighter movie, starring <laughs> two awesome lead men, and it's not Top Gun, Iron Eagle on VHS. And I was looking at some uh, Doug Masters costumes, and I think I can pull it off this Halloween if I let my hair grow, because I might mullet it up. I can flip the hair back a little, or the back end up a little bit, and then kind of slick it back. I think that'd look kind of cool, right? That would look cool. Kind of. Doug Masters. <laughs> <laughs> I had, so Top Gun has this amazing theme song. Where it's like, and there's no words to it. And one day on my way home from work, I I wrote lyrics to the Top Gun. <laughs> I know you sent you sent me the the voice clip of you, but you should sing it. Oh, I don't know if I remember it, but it was like. Top Gun is a good movie. It has Tom, it has Val, it is so cool. Spoiler, Anthony Edwards dies. 
He breaks his neck jumping out of a moving jet. It's fine, but you'll get over <laughs> it. There are still 30 minutes left. Time. That was like a rough version, <laughs> but I added music to it once. That was that was months ago when I did that. Um, that was like six, seven months ago. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, Jesus, <laughs> that's what you do when you're stuck in traffic for like three hours. It takes me forever to commute. Wow, jeez, <laughs> that's insane, man. Spoiler: Anthony Edwards dies, breaks his neck jumping from a moving jet. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's a good movie. You should go see it. Anyway, just like uh, oh wait, I guess we should talk about what you're watching. I'm sure it's amazing. Tell me all about it. Yeah, I bought Gladiator on 4K because it was the 20th anniversary this year. Uh, I think actually last week. It should be and on 20K. 1K for every year it's been out. Yeah, no, there's only 4Ks because that's how many kills Maximus actually has <laughs> in the Gladiator. Because he's so damn good, and he, he just like I don't know. I Maybe no, he, he had way more than four kills. No, he had way more he than four kills. Killed by Commodus. <laughs> Commodus. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it is fantastic. Gladiator is better than Braveheart. Uh, fight me. See, see, see if you can win. Because Gladiator is is a hundred times better than Braveheart. Um, I also watch Back to the Future one and two. Uh, just I put them on on Netflix in background. I just they're so good. I love those movies so much. Why didn't you watch three? Um, I'm going to. I just didn't get a point. I wa- I don't know what happens to Doc. How did he send the letter if he's dead? So, um, <laughs> and Western who the hell's Matt, Mad Dog? <laughs> Mad Dog, uh, I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't shot that horse. Oh my God, I love that movie. Yeah, and um, and then I uh, watched uh, Rick and Morty, the newest season, or newest episode of Rick and Morty. So that was mm-hmm. really good. So, That's pretty good. Oh, what about you? Um, last night I watched Underwater. That was pretty good. With the uh, Kristen Stewart. Who else is in it? Isn't there a funny man? Ah, the JT funny man. JT Miller. He's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TJ Miller, right? What did I say? JT. TJ. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. The one that called the FBI B-roll, and Bobby. ruined things. <laughs> <laughs> he went off the deep end for a little bit. He left oh, yeah. Silicon Valley and then started like shit with some lady that he said was a terrorist and called like the FBI and delayed trains and it was a whole process. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Yeah, you can't do that shit. But it was pretty good. I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't start it till like 11 o'clock at night, so it, it was a, a loud underwater motion picture show. And uh, I dug it. It's kind of It has like a like an alien vibe to it. You know, you're mm-hmm. all alone with the alien type thing. Um, <laughs> but the creatures were, um, were really cool looking. I dug it. I was into it. Cool. Okay. Mm-mm-mm. Check it yeah, out. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. <laughs> Do you remember that commercial? Books. Check them out. It was like Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's pretty good. You should do it. If libraries are still a thing. <laughs> uh, so this week, we are going to be doing uh, Moon from 2009. This film was directed by Duncan Jones, who is famous for Source Code, Warcraft, and Mute. I have not seen Mute. Yeah, I think that movie kind of flopped. Um, actually, I know it flopped. It uh, it was supposed to be highly, highly, highly anticipated follow up to Moon, but not necessarily like the follow up. But oh, really? It, like, a, wait, is it like a spiritual successor type thing? Or um, so he has little parts. It's it's made in the same world. 
Oh, I did not know that. <clears throat> and it has a good cast, you know, uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Paul Rudd and such. Uh, but it, it was supposed to be, yeah, I don't know. It was supposed to be really good. And apparently it, it flopped. Five and oh. a half, or five, yeah, 5.4 stars on IMDb. Out of six. 10. <laughs> <laughs> Out of five. <laughs> don't ask Not me right. how they got the extra. <laughs> now we're talking. Must have gave yeah. out goodies. Swag. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so the film, the motion picture show, was actually written by Duncan Jones and Nathan Parker. Uh, it stars Sam Rockwell. Kevin Spacey and Dominic McGilligan. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, not not too many people in this movie. There's like there's a handful of other supporting characters that show up over the course of like uh, the movie, but they're mainly on a screen, so you don't get too much interaction with them. Um, so a very very small cast. Sam Rockwell is definitely the star of this movie. Um, almost a one-man performance. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, and then, let's see here. Are you a fan of Sam Rockwell? I really enjoy a lot of his movies. Oh, yeah, totally. I absolutely love Sam Rockwell. Um, I think that one of the first things I remember seeing him in was Matchstick Men. Did you ever see that? Uh-uh. Oh, it's with Nicolas Cage, and he is a... He, he suffers from OCD, or he has OCD, Oh god, I don't even remember actually now. I'm gonna ruin it for you. Okay. But anyways, they're 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 con they're con artists, and uh, he has a daughter who's with him, and I don't know how old she is. But then she starts kind of getting in on the cons too, and it gets kind of weird. But yeah, that was that was a good one. I saw that one. Um, the assassination of Jesse James with the coward Robert Ford. Oh, uh, I can't stand that I'm movie. Try, I'm looking up some stuff because I'm trying to think. Galaxy Quest is really good in Galaxy Quest, which I know you haven't seen, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, the first Charlie's Angels movie from 2000. He's the bad guy in that. That's right. Okay. See, that's what I was thinking about uh, today or yesterday when I was watching it. I'm like, what What was the early thing I saw him in? And it was that movie. Charlie's the Angel? bad guy. Interesting. With uh, Crispin Glover's in nerd? Yeah, yeah. Didn't he, he play like a. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of playing the victim, but it was all a ruse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Crispin Glover was also in it. He's like a really skinny, rubbery guy <laughs> that could fit through <laughs> like small nooks and crannies. George McFly's at it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Sam Rockwell. He's good. He was in this other movie that I watched, and I don't really remember what it was called. Uh, maybe like the way, the way way back or something like that, where he worked at like this water park, and there was this kid whose mother. Um, was dating Steve Carell. Yes. He was, Steve Carell was kind of a dick. Uh, I think Tony Collette was his mom. I don't remember, though. It's been a long, long time. But I remember Sam Rockwell was like that cool um, that cool boss that you looked up to kind of kind of character. It was very fitting yeah. for him. I like that movie. I remember that. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't like uh, Trent at all, Steve Carell. But yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah. I got it on the Red Box ages ago. The way, oh. way back. When that was a thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Moon. Uh, critical reception, are you ready for this? Hell yeah. All right. Dennis Harvey from Variety. Our buddies at Variety. Remember, Variety staff was not fond of Harold and Maude. They didn't like it. <laughs> Which is fine. You're allowed to not like things. I just found that to be peculiar. But anyhow, Dennis Harvey from Variety. He says... Moon actually gets a little dull in the later reels, just when it should be peaking in mystery and tension. Hmm. 
How about that? How about so, that? Got something good here, but uh, fizzles. Um. Oh shit! Hold on, I lost all my, I lost all my stuff. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, there's a couple more. Uh, Jake Wilson from the Age in Australia, as Peggy Hill would call it. <laughs> uh, she puts the accent on everything. By halfway, the film starts to feel like a mere exercise. One more effort to get maximum value from limited resources. Too much machinery, not enough dread. So Mr. Jake Wilson is sort of in the same boat as Dennis Harvey were. Just around that halfway point, they get a little lost. And um, I don't know. Maybe you agree with them and maybe you don't. Uh, let's see here. Bob Maldonado. I actually knew a Bob Maldonado from NPR.org. <laughs> he was a used car salesman. Real piece of work. Fine young man. <laughs> Uptown all the way. Uh, start calculating the cost to lunar industries of its singular form of devaluing. And Moon's central premise stops making sense. How about that? Whereas uh, Dwayne Burge from Hollywood Reporter says, a well-assembled sci-fi thriller. Did they watch the same movie? I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know. Uh, Paul Burns from Sydney Morning Herald says, there might even be a touch of his father in there. Your circuit's dead. There's something wrong. Can you hear me, Major Tom? It's a well-built uh, concentrated movie with a brain and a purpose. Hmm. So let's see here. One more. Uh, Annalee Newitz from io9.com. Directed and conceived by Duncan Jones, Moon is quite, quite and disturbing, yet manages to be hopeful in the face of overwhelming grim conditions. Did you find this movie to be grim? I don't. I don't think it was grim. I I don't Did you like find it watching... quiet and disturbing. I found it disturbing just in certain senses, but not too bad. I didn't like when he when Sam one was was puking because I don't like when there's vomit and especially when there's blood involved. And I just don't like seeing like sick people like that on a film. So I think that was the only disturbing part for me. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing else really. But I don't know. Grim. Grim's a, Grim's a choice word. Grim conditions. Yeah. I guess the job itself was a little little much. But yeah, there you have it. The movie actually wasn't terribly successful. Had an estimated budget of $5 million. Opening weekend, it made $136,000. And let's see. Gross in the U.S. was $5 million, And then worldwide, just under ten at $9.7 million. I don't nine point seven million. So I guess that'd be successful, it's like double its money. I mean, maybe depending on how much they spent on uh, advertisements. <clears throat> Ad- I don't remember that many, honestly. Advertisements expensive, distributions expensive. Who knows? Well, ask. I'll get Duncan on the phone. Mister Mister Jones. <laughs> Mister Jones, I am me. Ground control to Duncan Jones. Uh, Okay, so the movie was shot in 33 days. It fictionally takes place in 2035, which means that the initial launch would have been 2020. Justin, why are we not at the moon yet? Oh, it's too long. 
<laughs> uh, when Sam is taking care of the small plants, he refers to one of them as Ridley, while another one is labeled Catherine, a likely reference to Ridley Scott and Catherine Bigelow, who also directed sci-fi movies. Can you name them? Um, yeah. So <laughs> which one do you want me to do first? <laughs> do Catherine and then do Ridley. Um, okay, so Catherine sci-fi movies? Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's on like every single credit ever. Back to the Future is one. <laughs> oh no, no, that, that's uh, I'm sorry, that's uh, Captain Kennedy. Um, uh, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Point Break. I know. I always, I always. <laughs> Point Break and uh, Hurt Locker are the only Catherine Bigelow movies that come to my mind. Catherine Kennedy has done a billion trillion movies, but. She did Near Dark. I don't even know what that is. You don't remember Near Dark? With uh, with your buddy, Bill Paxton. Never saw it. Well, yep. Whatever. Uh, but Mr. Cool. Ridley Scott, uh, Aliens, I suppose, would be a good one. Then those other not-alien movies, like <laughs> Prometheus. <laughs> and mm. that other one, Alien Covenant, and yeah. Martian. He likes the sci-fi. Gladiator. The Blade Runner. The Blade Runner. <laughs> Puts the yeah. jetpack on... on uh, Maximus. <laughs> on, I was going to say on, Mar- on Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> Can't have no old guy on a jetpack. Break a hip. Cobras. Uh, according to Duncan Jones, the original Sam allowed the company to have his genetic material taken, certain memories to be downloaded, and all of his transmission with his wife to be used. The company gave him a heap of money, so after his three years of actually doing the job on the moon, he went back to Earth. His family was taken care of, and the guys on the moon took care of it, the actual job. That, uh, that's scumbaggery, man. I don't like it. I will read you a synopsis. I wrote this. So with Earth's resource finite, scientists have discovered a way to harvest a bountiful score of long lasting energy, HE3, from the moon. Sam Bell works for Lunar Industries as the only human station on the dark side of the moon harvesting the E3. Along with his talking computer assistant, Gertie, Sam is is near the end of his three year contract and will soon be headed home to see his wife and daughter. On a routine harvester fix, Sam starts hallucinating and ends up crashing his rover. We later see Sam wake up, dazed from his accident, but with no visible injuries. Sam walks away from the hospital bed and overhears a conversation that Gertie is having with people at Lunar Industries on the broken live feed system. Sam grows suspicious and is able to sneak out of the complex to a, to a rover. Sam drives to the crash harvester and to his surprise, finds another Sam, injured but alive. Sam too brings Sam 1 to the infirmary where Gertie can tend to his wounds. Both Sams have no idea what is going on, but eventually Gertie tells Sam 1 that the other Sam is a clone. Confused, Sam 1 tried to start a conversation with Sam 2, but is met with aggression. Sam 1, meanwhile, is set to be rescued by an extraction team in a matter of hours, but starts to develop a fever. After the two Sams collect their thoughts, <laughs> Sam I got 2... A fever. <laughs> and <laughs> needs more cowbell. And the only cure is more cowbell. Is more Sam 2. And <laughs> Sam 2 informs Sam 1 that he suspects the satellites are working and that they have a way to communicate with Earth. The two make their way to a satellite and Sam 2 discovers that it is jamming the live feed signal. Meanwhile, Sam 1's health quickly de- degrades as he discovers, with the help from Gertie, that for the past 15 years there have been multiple Sam clones, he himself as the fifth iteration of the original, killing each clone after three years. 
But Sam discover a hidden tunnel with a myriad of fresh clones. With the extraction team near, Sam 2 devises a plan for both of them to escape. Sam 1 is pleased, but he realizes that he is dying, a three-year expiration put on the clones by Lunar Industries. The Sams wake up a clone to throw off the extraction team, and Sam 1 sacrifices himself, knowing that neither of them would kill an innocent clone. Sam 1 heads to the crashed rover to resume his role of dead clone. Right before Sam 2 is about to escape, he sets the coordinates of a harvester towards the blocking satellite, destroying it and opening the live feed network. Sam Du then escapes in the <laughs> mail ship and begins his journey to Earth, not as a clone, but to let the world know he is human. Boom. God, that was way longer than I thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was long. By the way, Strange Days is a, a movie by Catherine Bigelow, and that's very much science fiction, and it's awesome. If you haven't there seen you it, check it out. It is a cool. really good movie. I totally forgot that she directed that. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I know it was long-winded. Um, it's kind of a convoluted plot, but I wanted just to go down and try to touch on things when I was doing the synopsis uh, that maybe could spark conversation or so we could remember, um, just in case you forgot little parts. So when was the first time that you saw Moon, Justin? Um, I saw it uh, after it had already come out and it had made its way on to... Um, like HBO or, or Showtime, some service, some premium service that I saw it was on. I, I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, did you like it? Um, I, saw, I thought it was okay. I wasn't blown away. Did that change at all this viewing? No. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. I mean, I do think it asked some interesting questions, but when it comes to clone movies, I would prefer multiplicity over moon. <laughs> or I want pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot. <laughs> Talk a lot. <laughs> Talk a lot. <laughs> I love that movie. I think it's yeah. great. And I would watch that over Moon if given the choice. Mm-hmm. If I were teaching a class on clones and and clone appreciation in theory, I would go with multiplicity over Moon. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I um I, I really like this movie. Uh I think, and I want to discuss this with you a little bit, but I really like this for what Duncan Jones was was doing or maybe what he was trying to do. And I like how deep it was. Uh, Sam Rockwell is just so so fantastic, like we were talking about earlier. So yeah, I like this movie. Uh, I don't need to rush out to see it again. It's not one that I need to watch over and over again. But I, yeah, I really did like this movie. And I the first time I saw it was, I think, 2010 when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I saw it shortly after it had come out. Um and I just don't remember what, what service it was on, but I was still living. I feel like I was still living in California. I saw it pre Seattle. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, this movie draws a lot of similar comparison and discussion towards uh 2001, a space odyssey. Uh, did you like 2001? Space oh, I can't odyssey? stand that movie either. <laughs> yeah. I think that neither. movie sucks. I mean, I can appreciate the effort that was involved and that it is a staple in, in science fiction, but I would chalk it up to a cure for insomnia. If you have a hard time sleeping, put it on and you will be out in seconds. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't I, I don't go that far, but yes, I oh, agree. I, with, I go all the way. I agree with you that um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of 2001, but and I may get crucified, crucified for that, but that's OK. No, nah, I yeah. I am not blown away by it. But anyways, it does have a lot of similar things. Like, so Hal and Gertie, um, you know, the set design was very, very similar, obviously. And then there was a lot of classical music used um, in Moon and in 2001. Those are just a couple of things that I noticed when I watched sure. it. 
<laughs> but so I think the biggest reason why I liked this was because I think that this movie subverted our expectations of the twist. And we're so used to the M night Shyamalan's giving us this awesome twist at the end. And that's become a staple for things. And this is how I interpreted this, but Duncan Jones revealing that Sam was a clone like halfway through the movie is really what set up the plot point. And so I think what he's doing and just hear me out. I think he's trolling the analytical movie watchers like me who are like, Oh, okay. He revealed this. Now we know what's going to happen. What's the twist going to be, you know, for those of us who think that there's more depth to the plot than what's obvious than what's on the surface. Like for me, I wasn't like, this is a clone movie. This has to be something else. Like there, there has to be another uh, twist towards the end. He set me up in this kind of delusional state where I was thinking, Sam was maybe hallucinating the whole clone thing because they they were showing him, you know, that he saw that girl and he started seeing other things and hearing things. So I thought that Duncan Jones was trying to set us up as viewers. But then he's like, nope, it's actually just a clone movie. So (laughs) does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I I think so. I think the one of the real uh, twists is that uh, they have a three year life cycle. And that. Yeah. He was, we were literally watching him deteriorate and it was sad. And maybe that's why the hallucinations were coming in because his brain's not working properly. Um, He's getting really sick. He looks gross and gaunt and nasty. (laughs) Um, And so that's, that's kind of hard to watch and it's a little sad. Um, And then the very idea that these other, these people were coming, you know, they were, they were going to, they were going to put him down. (laughs) And, uh, I think that's kind of sad, like the idea that they are property of this corporation that can uh, act all corporation and, and and do bad things. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I mean, that makes sense then that he would hallucinate because his, his brain is just going because uh, they do have that expiration date. I just thought it was really interesting because I was waiting for some big reveal at the end. It's like, cool, you show us you showed us that twist really early. So there's got to be something right that's got to be the smoke and mirrors but no he uh he's like surprise motherfucker that was actually the real thing <laughs> right so I, I think i think the big thing would be that he gets away yeah sam too he's able mm-hmm. to live out the remainder of he basically has three years minus two weeks to live his life right yeah um, and he's gonna I do can see so that, in in his on his own terms which is pretty cool yeah, it's not like a uh, it's not like a, a crazy twist. It's a happy twist. Right. I mean, assuming he doesn't, you know, land in the middle of the ocean without anyone near him to help him. <laughs> I don't yeah. really know how his land is going to go. He just looked like he was in a little pod type deal. So we'll see. But uh, maybe by 2035, they have perfected the landings. <laughs> so. One line that Sam one nope sorry that Sam two says to Gertie towards the end he says Gertie we're not programmed we're people you understand what do you feel that Duncan was trying to say with his movie as a whole like we just kind of talked about the twists and stuff yeah we get that but what do you think his message maybe at the whole what do you think it was um I I really don't know um I'll pose this what does it mean to be a human to you well I mean. So you're asking someone that is a very big 
you know, firm believer in all life is, is precious. Um, mm -hmm. He's someone that advocates for animals. And um, I just think that uh, whether in this case it be a clone or a pig or a dog or a cat or a human, uh, I think that all life is precious. And so I think it's important to um, realize that and understand that. And uh, in this case, um, it makes me sad knowing that there would be uh, a company with the power to create humans, breed them for this job specifically, only to uh, murder them after three years. It's pretty awful. Yeah. It's pretty nefarious. Yes. But yes, um, I, th th I think that's what Duncan Jones is trying to add. Just basically the, the biggest plot point of, of this movie is like, what what's a human, right? Right. And, 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 you know, not to get like too political, when I say like all life is precious, I mean every living, breathing thing on this planet. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, like abort things like abortion and stuff like that. Um, I'm very much uh, pro choice. But if something is living and breathing on this earth, I expect, you know, the all due respect to that that life. I'm breathing, Justin. Can you milk me? Yeah. <laughs> I got a table and everything. <laughs> uh, meet the parents. Uh, meet the parents reference. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely think that he's trying to ask that existential question. Like, what, what does it mean to be a human? Like you're saying, living and breathing and stuff. And I found it, uh, I don't know if I'd call it irony, but it's slightly ironic how Sam 2, a clone, is telling a robot, you know, he's basically saying, I'm human but you're not sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I don't think he flat out said you're not, but you know, they treated Gertie kind of like a machine. So I think it was interesting because the way that Jones used Gertie in this, typically in sci-fi movies, AI, like smart AI is too smart for their own good. And right. you know, they're, they're like evil or something, but Gertie actually wanted to help the Sam's. That's why he typed in the password. That's why even though he was like, it's my directive to not, not let you outside. I mean, this is a smart robot. I'm sure he was like, all right, cool. Yeah, you can sneak out or whatever. Um, that was his compassion. And I think that's a huge thing about being a human is, is compassion for others. You have compassion for the animals and you have compassion for me. And I think that that alone is, is a very good indicator that the clones are real and, and Gertie's real. I mean, because if we're going to play the human game, I, I think that that's accurate right sure um we've seen this we've seen the clone thing and this kind of question uh posed in, in lots of different movies like the prestige uh you saw that right obviously <laughs> obviously just because i went to magic camp like six months ago <laughs> doesn't mean i've seen every magic movie ever made <laughs> nelly hates magicians <laughs> <laughs> which one's fellas <laughs> uh, so yeah but we've seen movies that question the differences of man versus machine uh, time Terminator Robo Robocop Terminator iRobot AI Blade Runner you know I think Blade Runner is such a great example and, and uh, Roy Batty's speech at the end is like our lives are basically just like tears in the rain and uh, whoa it's, it's so <laughs> I thought it's it was deep, like dust man. in the wind <laughs> <laughs> all we are is dust in the wind <laughs> dust wind dude <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that they're uh, I feel that that's what he's saying. And, and like, do you think that the clones are, are people then? I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they're living and breathing. They have 
Um, yes. Short answer is yes. Therapy. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, they know how to feel, how to show compassion, how to love, how to remember, and how to help each other. Yeah, they feel pain. They feel uh, fear, uh, excitement, joy, loneliness, Hunger. Depression. Hunger, yeah. They're very much people. They sweat like we do. I don't sweat. I sweat all the time. I'm gonna make you sweat. <laughs> when I listen to CNC Music Factory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like the one guy with the deep voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the jam. It. <laughs> make your <Yeah>. body move. <laughs> Yeah, no. that's right. <laughs> uh, shit. Gotta keep going on tangents. So, um, well, with that being said, though, too, is there this movie was interesting because it's not very fast paced. It's, no. it's pretty slow. It, it, there's not like a ton of action in it. You just it's it's like a sit and watch and think piece. And that's what a lot of isolation films are because uh, they don't really leave the certain set too much. But. Do you think this is, there's a deeper meaning in this movie or am I just reading way too much into it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he, Duncan Jones did a very good job of interpreting what life in solitary confinement can be like. You know, he's working on those models. And as someone that works for a toy company, I know that a lot of people have been buying a lot of toys and models to occupy their time during this quarantine. Uh, it's important to keep your mind uh, busy and exercise and both mentally and physically. And it was very important to him to, to work on those models, to keep his mind and his brain active. Uh, you know, I can't sit on my couch and just watch TV all day. I get very antsy. And so I could just see myself wanting to, quit this job eight minutes after landing on the moon. I'd be like, no fucking way. I'm not doing this. <laughs> this is the worst job ever. Um, it's just not something that I personally could do. And I liked how he had these routines where he would go drive his little mine cart thing out on the moon, come back in. He would uh, check his reports, do his logs, say what he needed to say in his recordings, go do his uh, cardio and do his model building and i think it was very important for him to establish a routine just like a lot of us did during our quarantine with COVID 19 where like for me i got up early i would take my shower i get dressed do my hair and then sit down at my kitchen table and do my job but i pretended like i was going to work just so i didn't go crazy and so i do think that i saw a lot of myself in um sam's character yeah, I think it was a very topical film uh, given the circumstances. But I also think that so after his three year stint, he for all indications, there were um, Sam. Sam was probably an angry person. And uh, when he started his contract, but by the end of three years, you know, he's like, hey, I'm a peaceful warrior. He's tending to little plants, to all these things. And so I think the isolation was a self-reflection for him, too. And so maybe there's something in there that that I'm missing that Duncan's trying to draw out of maybe like it's how important it is to really understand yourself before you can continue other ways. And I mean, that goes way back to something you and I were talking about on an earlier podcast about people changing. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily the same thing, but yeah, just about, about that idea of can people change? So Rocky um, changed <laughs> Rocky four, <laughs> Rocky, Rocky four, four changed <laughs> the quest for peace. <laughs> <laughs> East meets West. <laughs> uh, yikes. So, but I, 
you know, I like to break down movies like this and be like, okay, what is he trying to say? What does he mean? What do the clones mean? Why are there so many clones? How long is this going to go on? Is this about corporations? And I do think this is about big corporations. I mean, look at like things like aliens, right? Where the big corporation, you, you're sending these colonial Marines to um, eradicate these eggs and basically do a, an extraction of the survivors. But this company is like in the Wayland, right? They're like, yeah, no, we want this. We want this alien. We have ulterior <laughs> Wayland, motives. Yutani, yeah. yeah we, want, we have ulterior motives. Yeah. Well, but corporations are just shitty in these, in these sci-fi movies. So are scientists. Scientists are always the worst. It's their fault. Well, there is, there is no, there's no main enemy in this one except for lunar t- industries. Right. But that is true. But drag bar. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. I don't know, man. What? I don't know. There's, I don't, not, I don't, there's not a whole lot to this movie. It's, it's, that's what I mean. I that's why I'm like I, mean, I really I, liked I appreciate it. you digging, but um, I really don't think there's a whole lot there. We use the term harvesting when we talk about moons. Do so. <laughs> <laughs> don't be harvesting crazy. Well, so I I think that a lot of uh, I mean Sam Rockwell's performance was was what really what stood out for me. It's movies like this and like Castaway, where you're the only person on screen, you know, for the entire time, you got to give a lot. And apparently uh, Kevin Spacey's lines weren't even put in until the end. They probably just had somebody reading it to him, but still, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did a, he did a really, really good job of kind of portraying both of those things. And you, you really kind of felt for him, like you were saying, the routines of the isolation and such. Sure. I certainly did. You know, it's, I do feel like <laughs> he, he meaning uh, Sam too, was pretty quick to accept that he was a clone and i find that remarkable because i feel like i would be more like sam one and be in denial um i mean for a lot of people uh, seeing is believing but at a certain point if you've been on the station for that long (laughs) you'd be like is there really a fucking guy over there (laughs) like am i going crazy right now and you wouldn't really know what to believe at least i wouldn't i would be out of my mind and so I do think that uh, Sam too was uh, he had a pretty good head on his shoulders. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I that's where that's why when I was saying earlier, I, I felt like Duncan Jones was kind of trolling us. That's where I thought the hallucination stuff would come in. That there'd be this twist that you know all this stuff didn't happen. That he never had that. They pulled a, the sixth <laughs> so that, sense sort of the, thing. That's the twist that there is no twist. I don't know. Pretty much. It, it felt like it'd be like the sixth sense, you know, where he's like, he, the little boy was talking to himself the whole time. There was no real person there. It was just yeah. a dead ghost or something. That was a pretty so, good, uh, pretty good dupe. That was great. But, but yeah. I mean, that one's been done before. So that's why I was really hoping moon didn't, didn't do that. Which, or I, I didn't mean, know if that it, was a thing. Yeah. It didn't really yeah. do that. I know, was, but I was like, it's gotta be something different. He's gotta be hallucinating. So, yeah. But I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't I don't have much else to say about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, you obviously like the movie. You enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, good. I don't know. I, I think it's just because I'm a sucker for, for sci-fi, but I think it's just, it was an interesting take because it wasn't this big action movie. It wasn't like gravity. Well, yeah, even gravity. I guess that'd be technically a drama, right? Yeah, but that had a lot of action in it because uh you know it's it's that's a 90 minute movie where she's out on the little tether and then it hits the fan and she's floating around in space has to get on that little ship the ship blows up she escapes on that ship onto a little skate pod type thing and then george Clooney comes in out 
<laughs> through the window. He's like, hey, what's happening? And then uh, you head my way, stranger. And then she collects her thoughts and then lands and then credits. Like, I mean, but it's one <laughs> thing after another. I mean, that's a very oversimplification, but she is sure. put in one predicament after another and you don't really have time to breathe. And then she lands and it's over. Um, so I feel like part of me thinks that, um, what the hell is that movie called again? Gravity. Gravity, where she's just, it's one giant action scene. Yeah. It's I like a 90 that. minute action scene. At least that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, no, I can see that. This one is interesting. I just thought this one was was fun because it deals with that isolation aspect and am I going crazy and am I not? And it was beautiful. I mean, it was shot really well. Uh, I liked the uh, the special effects, even how low. I mean, they were very, very low budget, obviously, but they still worked really well. And um, yeah, Duncan Jones is really good at at visuals. Um, I don't know if you saw Warcraft, but as someone that has played no. World of Warcraft for a long, long time, uh, I think I'm at like 14 or 15 years of playing that game. When it came out, I actually really enjoyed it. And I thought it was he was really good at at showing that something uh, like a being like an orc was able to really have some strong emotions and conveyed that message that there were heroes on both sides. Because like with with Warcraft, uh, this is a question I actually got to ask him and talk to him about once was yeah, it was a year before Warcraft came out. And I'm like, how in the heck are you going to portray both sides evenly when you have uh, such a divided player base where some people are alliance and some are horde and he's like it's a great question there's heroes on both sides and i was like "Ooh, i like it <laughs> good answer yeah you're going places guy you're going places david bowie's son <laughs> yeah you're the you're the next lenny bruce <laughs> number six but uh <laughs> Teddy P. Teddy P. <laughs> so yeah i i mean I I think he did a really good job with it. I uh, I'm I'm super impressed by the budget. Um, and I don't know. It's just kind of one of those movies that I just can't necessarily explain why I like. But I sure. like it. I mean, there's I have ideas on what he was going for. Uh, they may be a little too morose, or they may be too simplistic. But who knows, right? Sure. So, yeah. But um, and what letter grade do you give it? That's what I'm struggling with. So I I, I think it's got to be a B, just a solid B, because that is good for me. Uh, anything less. Anything in the B range is usually like, yeah, I'll probably watch it again, but I'm not going to like seek it out, right? It's either sure. that or Clue. I'm going to watch Clue <laughs> seven days out of the week. And uh, yeah, so I give it I give it about a B. Does that does that sound right? What about you? I give it an M for Moon. For mature audiences only? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a middle of the road on this one. So I'll give it a C plus. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Sam Rockwell did a really good. No, that's passing. Sam Rockwell did a really good job. I like his acting, but the movie itself, um, it's just, just kind of goes. It's 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 hard to explain. Like, I, I get what those critics were saying about that last half of the movie feels like I just got to finish it because Mm -hmm. nothing's really happening. Um, you know, eventually we get to see the secret room with all the clones, but I never really felt a sense of urgency. Even when the, their we'll call it rescue crew was coming, you know, some sort of 
countdown clock or something would have been more fun to know that it was coming there in danger. It's the world's going to end. These guys are going to get murdered. But I was never scared. I was never nervous. It was like the, the whole tone was so calming that I was, I never felt any danger. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like I didn't feel anything with Gertie, you know, potentially double crossing them really, um, or at least not, immediately so yeah i don't think the stakes were necessarily high enough and it it was definitely a slow burn of a film so yeah okay i see i see where you're coming from yeah i mean i think uh i think this would have been an amazing like short story that's exactly actually what i was thinking and gonna say i was like this sounds kind of like a short story like maybe a 30 minute you know twilight zone or something like that yeah where it's like oh my god you're a clone no you're a clone Two Spider-Man pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man's, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay. It's, it's, uh, it's like, oh, my way, it's like, I'll say it. But, maybe, that, um, maybe that's the meme The meme I should uh, tweet out when I tweet the episode. <laughs> the <yeah>. Spider-Man meme. <laughs> Moon! <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's just all I, how I feel about it, man. I, it took me It took me nowhere. Fine by me. So mm. Cool. Well... I'll bring it. I'll bring it around. Then we'll keep this one short and short and stassy. So, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to go on Twitter and follow us at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60. Zach is spelled capital Z, little a, little c, little h, <laughs> capital D, little a, little l, little e, six zero. <laughs> I watch. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I watch Nacho Libre too, and that's what he, oh. he says. He goes. Big hug, little kiss, little kiss, big kiss, little kiss. That's <laughs> uh, so funny. Uh, where can you... Uh, oh, geez. Anyways, on Twitter, you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. Uh, you can even tell us what movie you think we should do for our next episode. Uh, just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I'm always waiting for it. 